You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and deep calling to deep. Today's message is brought to you by Lead Pastor Kim Foreman. So I want to start out that, you know, we're in a time, we're just in a time frame of lots of opinions, human reasoning, and unless we know God's word, we can be easily deceived. And there's a lot of heresy that has come into the church. In fact, this morning, uh, Gloria's Bible study really could have been my message. Really, she, I've just been here for the Bible study. I wouldn't even had to, because there's so many things. What's interesting in the Kings, as we go through Chronicles, is some of them start out real good, but they make, you know, and God does these great exploits, and God just comes in, and, and they seek God, and God annihilates their enemy, and then the next minute, it's like they're in fear, and they come into allegiance and alliance with an evil king, and it brings their destruction. So they start out really good, but they end really bad. And then we've seen some, you know, start out bad and end up in repentance and okay. So, but some of the heresies I'm just going to hit real quick. Like, uh, you know, and a heresy is a belief or opinion contrary to the truth of God's word. And again, if we don't know God's word, the Holy Spirit's going to pull that which we put in up. And so when we hear something that sounds good, but then the Holy Spirit's able to bring that scripture up and go, wait a minute, maybe that's not so true. But if we don't have it in there, we'll just be like the crowd or the climate or the culture and just go the way everybody else does. Some of those is like, um, if you're at peace with the decision, then it's God's will. That's not always true. There is a pseudo peace. And sometimes we have an idol on our heart that speaks louder. And if our soul is stronger than our spirit, then we can hear the idol of our soul and think it's God and it's not. And we can go down a wrong path believing it's God and it's not. Um, Jesus came to make you the best version of yourself. No, God came, Jesus came to make us more like him and less than ourself, right? Or how about you'll never have a lack if your life is in Jesus when you're following after him. I mean, what would come up immediately? I would think about, what about the scripture about losing your life to save it? It's easier for a camel to what? Go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into heaven. Or what about Matthew 19, 29 that says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for the sake of my name will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So again, if you've got it in there, it'll come up and you'll be like, wait a minute. And then I don't know about y'all, some of my experiences, I've gone through some lack. And some of that lack was a fire for God to burn up that which was not of him. Um, and, and this morning... When in the teaching, Gloria brought forth, if I prosper, it must be God. Not always. I mean, the enemy is really good at getting us to feel like we're prospering. I don't know about you, but I used to like to gamble, okay? So you know I'm going to get out there and transparent. And, you know, anytime you gamble, the enemy is that old hook. You know, you'll get out there and you just pull that one-armed bandit. Before you know it, you've won. You know, and if you see anybody who's trying to come out of gambling, okay, I'm done, and they repent, and they're there, but there again, that one more time they go, and then they win big. You know, it's always demonic strategies to get you into the place you shouldn't. So, so even prosperity doesn't mean anything. Um, 
How about this? God understands your situation, so don't be too concerned about the small areas of obedience in your life. Obedience is what? Better than sacrifice. So knowing God's word will immediately come up within you, again, when you have placed it within you. Um, and obedience matters no matter what the situation. And I don't know, some of the worst situations I've been in, a lot of times I get into disobedience. And I have gotten into disobedience because I'm like, oh, you know my circumstances. I'm going through hell. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. We need to obey and do what's right no matter what the situation is. And again, what comes to the surface when you're in the fire? The flesh. Things that you thought, I don't know. I said this again. In COVID for a couple of years, I mean, I learned more about my flesh I thought was crucified, and I saw more garbage come up and needed more deliverance in some areas. Um, God's word combats heresy, and we need it because everything from the false prophet and the social media is nothing but heresy, and we better know God's word. Uh, and so we need wise counsel from God's word and from godly men and women. Again, the world, the culture, the many voices, sounds good, sounds right, but most of the time is wrong. Ecclesiastes 4.13. It is better to be a poor, it is better to be a poor but wise youth than to be an old and foolish king who refuses advice. Now, this is written by Solomon. It's a shame he didn't take his own advice, huh? You know? But I really think about Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And let's talk about this guy for a little bit. Uh, again, Gloria taught on this last week. Talk about the fruit don't fall very far from the tree. He asked for advice on a difficult matter. You know, Solomon's gone on to the Lord. And Israel and the elders asked him to lighten the load. Solomon had put a great burden on them. Uh, and uh, with forced labor. And they told him that the people would serve him if he would be kind and speak good words. He doesn't like this advice. He's young. So what does he do? He goes to his buddies, his younger friends. And they tell him, lay a heavier burden on them, um, which is terrible advice. Mm -hmm. And the people respond by killing the taskmaster, and they rebel against Rehoboam, who never succeeds and stopping the rebellion, it goes on and on and on. The elders he consulted have had spiritual maturity and wisdom over many years' service uh, to King Solomon. And, of course, of course, his younger friends were what? His buddies, his pals. They were youth, you know, youthful folly. They didn't have the wisdom and the maturity to give him wise counsel. When we are faced with a tough decision, seeking counsel, as Rehoboam did, is a great first step. But in Rehoboam's situation, the good advice would have required him to exercise patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit. And he wasn't willing to do that. But that was a godly counsel. And I want you to know that all godly counsel, you can judge, really uh, obeys the law of the land and will never tell you to break the laws that are in place. They never ask you to do anything that is unlawful and lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Spirit of Antichrist, chaos. Um, it will never ask you to violate the rights of others. That's another thing. It will never violate moral laws either. And it will always align with God's word. 
And again, God's word is our plumb line. There is a way that seems right to a man, but leads to destruction. You know, oftentimes we trust our heart, we trust our emotions, we trust our mind, our reasoning, we trust our friends, but you could be like Job and have Job's friends. None of them had the right advice, right? I mean, who would have ever thought that Satan was petitioning and it was granted? But there were Job's friends. Something in life day to day, sometimes we have to trust those things. But, and it's okay to trust in the small matters most of the time, and hopefully we have enough of Christ in us to do the right thing. Uh, but, you know, and we can lean on a friend for godly counsel. But in troubling matters, when I'm talking about life decisions, transitional moves, we must be more careful. Especially if we are troubled, if we are unsettled, if we are in the midst of warfare. And the enemy will do a really good number of putting pressure on us in that time to get us to go down the wrong road. Like the, the story we heard today about Asa. Asa had done everything right and saw God move. But in the end, whatever, he got into some kind of fear and ended up trusting and giving his gold and silver to another king to come into alliance and he, and he finished bad. He didn't finish as well as he could have. Um, and these places of clatter and chatter, confusion, we need to be still. We need to be quiet. We need to quiet our soul because our soul will be just... Um, and we need to wait upon the Lord. We need to trust in the Lord. And many times we feel overwhelmed. We will feel weighted down. And in reasoning, we will look for what? The easiest path. The path of least resistance and a way of escape. But in the end, what does it do? It will cost you far more in accrued interest than if you would have waited and made a wise decision, not one in haste. Now, y'all don't think that I'm teaching this because I've been there, huh? Yes, yes, most definitely. The enemy seems to be right there whispering, taunting, pressing you. Take the easy way out, a little relief for a moment, but a great regret for a lifetime. I'm thankful that God is able to take these mistakes, these hard knock lessons, and use it as a teaching tool and earned authority with gray hairs making us wise counselors. Well, we need to listen to the older people. We know. We've done been there. But make no mistake. It will come with bruises, it will come with sorrow, and it will come with regrets. How many times have we all said, if I knew what I know today and could go back and change things, wouldn't we love to be able to do that? And as a parent, wouldn't we all listen more? Wouldn't we relish the mess a little bit longer? Wouldn't we spend more time loving and enjoying and less time cleaning complaining, and couldn't we have probably averted a lot of the problems that came later by not spending enough time in love and listening? I, I tell you, my boys will tell you I kept a clean house. But that's not what I want at this age in the Lord. I'd rather them tell you about the time I spent with them and the love that I gave them. But they'll say their house is in order and they like their house in order. But I had a little bit of OCD in there, you know? And so, but life happens. Choices are made. Then we must live with what? I coulda, woulda, or shoulda. 
So often we blame life and our circumstances and always put the blame on Satan. But truth is, most of the time, the enemy was really ourselves. We are our worst enemy. I continually bring uh, before you as a congregation the word that tells us that only God knows our heart. We have to always keep that before us. Um, the heart is deceitfully wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9, above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It says only God knows it. So we can't trust that we know our heart because we really don't. Pride is a crown. It sits on our head, and we must daily. Pride is part of our nature, and it's a, it's a bad mamby-jamby, and we have to take off the crown of pride daily, and we have to evaluate, am I in pride or is this humility? It's a part of our nature. And again, it twists us in reasoning of why it's right to be wrong. We live in a time of great confusion and the world full of opinions, reasoning, self-helps, Google, and mass media. So it's even easier to seek other sources for answers instead of God. It's real quick to pull up Google, isn't it? It's real quick to listen to someone that has an opinion. Human nature is when we make a decision, we will go find someone to agree with us so that we uh, can feel better in our choices we're going to make, even if it's right to be wrong or wrong to be right. How often are we able to persuade others to agree with us with our own reasoning? I should have been in debate in high school because I am a, just really good at debating. Huh. This is why it's important as a leader to have those around you that will tell you the truth. Not the yes men, but those that are wise in the word and they're not looking uh, to you for position and influence who will tell you what the word and God says and cares more about the truth and helping you to protect and steward than petting your flesh. Some of the worst decisions to be made is in financial crisis. The crushing weight pressing you down, the bills coming in, the phone calls, and the quick fix gives you a temporary fix, but will in the end do what? Put a heavier burden on you. It will increase interest, charges, late fees, and in the end, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, and you're worse off than you were when you chose to do it. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 12.15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. That's why it's very important that we have roundtables of counsel. You know, that needs to be set up. It needs to be set up for leadership. It needs to be set up in the house of the Lord. Because, again, we do need wise counsel. And Titus 2.15 is all about the older instructing the younger. Uh, it's about the older men and the older women to teach what is good, what is pure, what is holy. Wrong pressure can direct us into making wrong decisions. And we need a church that prays. 
And when somebody's in the valley of decision, sometimes we need to pray hell off of people because we know the enemy's in there trying to get them to go down that wrong path. That is why, again, the older need to instruct the younger. Age has taught us much. Let's look at some of the biblical accounts where choosing wrong associates and, and listening to their counsel. Let's talk about Adam. Do I need to say any more? Really? Adam did what his wife told him to do, and I'm glad Bob's not here to, to add to that this morning. <laughs> and it cost him, and every person since, death and heartaches of sin in Genesis 3. Aaron gave in to the pressure from the people around him and made what? An idol. Because of that sin, many people died in Exodus 12. Aaron and Miriam talked together against God's man Moses, and Miriam got leprosy. The ten spies did not have their faith in God, as did Joshua and Caleb, and, uh, and they aroused fear among God's people. And again, y'all have heard me teach on trauma bonded time. Israel still, in the month of July, August, still has that time of awe where the most worst things that have happened to Israel happened in that time frame because this was a time they chose to believe in unbelief instead of God. And so even that can cause you to have a trauma bond of time where the enemy has access to bring traumatic events into your life in those times and those seasons. Thank God for the blood of Jesus and with this knowledge that we can cleanse timeline so places where we've had unbelief, places that we've done some things can also have seasons of devouring if we don't bring our timeline and look at what we did and how we opened that door. And why is it every October and November I have, you know, devouring in my finances? Why do I have devouring in my in relationships? You need to go and look at those things. And the beauty is you can bring it before the Lord and cleanse your timeline through the blood of Jesus. Many times the children of Israel suffered the wrath of God because they listened to the murmuring and the complaining of the other people and jointly rebelled against God and his leader. Most likely from the influence of living in the sin uh, filled cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's daughters were not uncomfortable with having incest with their fathers. You know, again, the culture produces what? A climate of compromise, sexual sin, and had their agreement. That's all they knew. So why not do this? They thought the whole world had been destroyed and they need to make, have children. And so they were easy, get daddy drunk. But this is what they lived in. And this is why it's important for the church to get on the wall and the church to push back hell because this is what's coming against. I mean, this is not Sodom and Gomorrah. When we turn on the TV and we look at what's happening in the news. Samson picked the wrong girlfriend and lost his strength, his eyesight, and his life. And Saul, again, lost his position as king when he chose to do as the people wanted rather than to obey the Lord's commandments to destroy the Amalekites. Amnon took the bad advice of his friend Jonadad and committed sin and lost his life because of it. Solomon's marriages to heathen wives turned his heart away from the Lord. Now, I want you to think about this. When we think about Solomon, and Gloria's done a great job. I mean, it's provoked me. The wisest man in the world. But he did not do well. And I want you to think about this. It's one of the things that came out in her teaching that just really, uh, again, it's the matter of the heart. So his alliance with Egypt was the beginning of his downfall. And think about it. It really wasn't that he married Pharaoh's wife. What came first is 1 Corinthians 15.33 is a scripture that says bad company corrupts morals. 
Do not be deceived. Evil companions corrupt good morals. He had all this wisdom, but the first thing he did was multiply the horses for his kingdom. This was forbidden in Deuteronomy 17, 16. The next thing he did was marry the Egyptian woman. So Deuteronomy 17, 16 says, And when he is made king, he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor lead the people back into Egypt. So he was told in Deuteronomy that you were not to do that because horses meant military strength, and God wanted the kings to rely on him. So when he started getting the, first it came with mammon, and power, pride, and he got the horses, and he started multiplying them with chariots and all of that. Then next thing you know, he's uh, marrying Pharaoh's daughter. And what happens from there? All that wisdom, I'm telling you, sexual sin. First Kings 10, 26 through 28 says that Solomon had thousands of horses imported in. It's the beginning of the end. That one bad decision, you know, I'm telling you, I can go back in my life and see many bad decisions, wrong, unholy alliances. Um, so it showed a rebellion to God, uh, God's statute. A rebellion is as what? Witchcraft. I mean, you can't get any more real than that. Shows a lack of faith in God, mammon. Um, and Egypt, when we talk about Egypt, Egypt is the beginning of royalty. When we look at England and, the, and, and you know, the queen and all of that, that originated the matriarch system of royalty originated in Egypt. And Egypt was full of false god worship. And uh, again, I'm not even teaching on the Nephilim, but who built the pyramids? Come on. You know, we could go there, but we're not. So all the wisdom given when he rebelled against God's law didn't help him. Our agreements and our alliances will cost us. This is a great lesson despite his wisdom. His alliances brought him destruction. Then we even see in the story of Balaam. Let's talk about Balaam. That's an interesting story. Revelations 2.14 says, But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. Now here we have Balaam tells Balak, okay, so he can't curse because God stops him from cursing Israel. So he says, send in the Midianite and the Moabite women to seduce them sexually. Because he knew if I can't get you this way, I'll get you that way. Sideways in, lust of the flesh, unholy alliance, agreements and sexual sin leads to destruction. I'll say it again. When you, when you study about the spirit of adultery and fornication, it says she leads you to the chambers of death. She is the spirit of death. Balaam was a powerful soothsayer among the Moabites and Midianites. He was hired by the king, um, Moab, to curse Israel, and he was going to be given a nice lump sum of money, and so money was a big deal for him. That's why he cared more about the money than he did God, and that's why God started to put that angel there to block his path, and that donkey finally you know, wouldn't budge because he saw the angel, and he started just beating his poor donkey, and, uh, and then God had to speak through the donkey. Why is it so important to lean into Psalms 139? 
example, be in a healthy habit of asking God, search our hearts. See if there's any offensive ways and lead us in the way everlasting. Unholy alliances are the power of agreement. Sexual sin, soul ties, and you know I've taught on soul ties. You know, when you're married, it's a great thing. You become one. But I'll tell you, when you think about soul ties, and it's the same thing I talk about the first time I fell into bed in sexual sin, I was not into drugs, but the guy I slept with was into drugs. It wasn't six to nine months. I was smoking marijuana and going down that road. Because, again, you join yourself like a, like a, a chain link. I was joined to him and what generational curses, what sexual sin, what occultic doors were in him with all the demons had now had joined themselves to me. And there comes the slippery slope. And I had enough on my side without adding his in there. But again, a lot of people don't understand, but that's a powerful thing that we have the anointing to bring people through repentance and use the blood of Jesus and sever soul ties and set the captives free. Um, How many of us have seen Christian men and women that have ended up in unholy relationships and be unequally yoked? Despite counsel, their persuasive words try to convince wise counselors why it's right to be wrong. I've spent a many an hour somebody trying to convince me why it's right to be wrong, and yet that person is completely unequally yoked. They're not a Christian. Um, the counselor knowing that it's going to take them so much further away from their calling and it's a wayward path. But knowing they just have to go that way because their heart is set, you just might as shake it off and let them go. You know the way it's going to go. All we can do is pray in the spirit and watch and pray. The loneliness, the emptiness, the enemy uses that to cause them to toss to and fro to be unhappy, to be dissatisfied, and this opens the door to what, Ishmael? Anybody ever marry an Ishmael? You know, y'all all laugh I married three Bobs, but two of those Bobs were Ishmaels. <laughs> the third one was not, but it took the two Ishmaels for me to finally get the Isaac, but I'm telling you, the enemy puts pressure, oh, you're so lonely, if you were just married, if you just had a mate, you know, all of that pressure, no difference in the finances, oh, just go get a loan. Oh, just, you know, do this, do that. Oh, my gosh, I could preach on that a lot. But looking for love in all the wrong places, dating sites, things of that nature, and, of course, you know, Harmony.com and all that. And are not Ishmael still fighting against Isaacs thousands of years later? That is still happening. I watched my youngest sister... I think she had an Isaac with Stuart, but then she ended up with two Ishmaels. And she's been estranged from God and family for years and years and years. What you join yourself with, you become. Whether it's in a friendship, whether it's in a business partner, whether it's in marriages, whether it becomes sexually. I think as Christians, we need to be careful. I'm not saying we need to use banking. We need to be able to get loans. Those different things that we have to go through. I mean, how many times do we sign things? We sign things all the time. But you know what? With the knowledge, Lord, I'm asking that if there be something Luciferian, if this be something evil, Father, I'm asking you that which is good, bring it forth. But, Father, I'm asking you through the blood of Jesus, that which is evil. Because we are Daniel. We are living in Babylon. And we're trying to function in Babylon. But I do believe where there's knowledge, there's power. Whether it's in a medication, whether it's in the doctors. I mean, we are constantly signing different contracts and some different things and power of an agreement. But with this knowledge, we can ask God. 
Lord, I'm trying to use wisdom, God. But it, it, we do. We have to sign everything. I sign papers constantly with my children being in, you know, the state of Texas care. I'm constantly putting my name on something. But Lord, please, if there's something unholy, if there's something that could come in and destroy, Lord, I'm asking you, let the blood of Jesus, let the blood of Jesus stop this. After 34 years of marriage, Bob and I are more alike than ever. We order the same thing when we go out to eat. It wasn't all the, always that way, you know. And isn't it funny that some couples start looking like each other as they get older? <laughs> I won't mention about pets, okay? Because <laughs> we know that can happen too. But anyway, <laughs> when I think about unholy alliances, I think about Judah. But I'm going to think about unholy. I'm going to think about Judah, the fourth son of Leah and Jacob. He liked to visit Hira the Adulamite. This is in Genesis 38. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. You notice that says turned aside. I want you to think about when they're talking about uh, crabs in the occult or any of the, the worship of, of like Diana and some of those. It's a crab. A crab does what? A crab don't walk forward. A crab walks sideways. So he turned aside. Now, what happened with this? He, was he using his mind? Was he using his, uh, his emotions? Was he tired of fussing and fighting with all his brothers? Was he kind of thinking, you know, I want to be adventuresome. I want to kind of get out of here for a little while. We'll see what's outside my tribe. But whatever it was, the human reasoning of um, maybe he was tired of bickering. You know, when you've got that many brothers, there's probably going to be some bickering. And there's jealousy. We know we just got to study the history of the tribes. There's a lot of bickering. So maybe he decided, I just need to get out. And so he goes and sees Hira. Well, Hira's very wealthy. And so he goes down, hangs out with Hira. What's the next thing that happens? He gets drunk. And then, of course, Hira's, he's looking at all, and that's a problem with Judah. Judah has a problem with wealth, and, you know, more like an attorney, but he liked all the wealth. And before you know it, he's drunk as a skunk, and Hira's talked him into taking his daughter as his bride, who is what? A Canaanite. And so he sleeps in his drunkenness, and I'm sure he paraded the dowry, and he sleeps with her, and what happens? He ends up with three sons. He brings in a woman, Tamar, who's within his own tribe, his own people. What he's trying to do, he's polluted the bloodline. And so he brings in Tamar, sweet little Tamar, because he wants to cleanse the bloodline from the demonic seed. And what happens? The first two sons die because they will not consummate with her. And then the third son's too young, so he sends Tamar and says, Go away, I'll call you back when the youngest is old enough and you can be his wife, which was tradition. But then you see later when Tamar dresses up like a temple prostitute, well, what's he doing? He's hanging out with the temple prostitutes, you know, and their staff had all his regalia, had everything about his tribe. They were known by their staff, their ring. And so all of this leads him into what? Temple prostitution. And she knew it, and she dressed herself up, and the rest is history. But Judah, again, like David. Okay, so who did David come back through? Judah. So where do we see David when he's not out with the men of war? He's on the balcony, and he sees Bathsheba. Look, the fruit don't fall very far from the tree. 
But keeping your feet, you know, y'all heard me teach on keep your feet in your path. Stay in your lane. But you know whether Judah reasoned it because he was brilliant. I just want to get out of here and I want to go check out these other people. Not good. Not good at all. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Judah was young, again, trusting in his own heart. And again, why is it right to be wrong? We reason things out, we trust our emotions, we give in to the desires of our heart, and we end up going much further away from God's purpose and his plan. That's why we need godly counsel. We do not, I hate to say that we don't need to trust ourselves. We need people who will say, uh, I don't think so. I'm praying. Mm -mm, I got to quicken my spirit. Don't do it. Don't do it. But if we will resist the devil, he will flee. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Face it as a people. This is why we so desperately needed a Savior. We so desperately need Him every day, every hour, like what you prayed, Kim. The good news all of us have gone down. A road of destruction. Each one of us have a testimony in this, I know. And whether it's in choosing an Ishmael through marriage or sexual sin or financial mistakes, a quick fix, again, with interest and charges accrued, getting our feet off the path through reason and wrong heart motives, and then again, unholy alliances. Oh, bad company. We have kept or held on the way. And why is it so many young girls love the bad boy? I don't know about you, the good guy who wanted to do everything right, I didn't want him. I wanted the bad boy. And I got the bad boy and married two of them. Dumb, dumb, dumb. It's easier to choose comfort over calling. That's really what we get down to. It's easier to choose comfort over calling. It's easier to compromise. It's actually the way of the world. And the voices of the world will agree with your compromise. Um, they'll say things like, oh, you deserve it. Just do it. <laughs> uh, it won't hurt anything. Go for it. If you don't, someone else will. Look at all the hard work you put in. Go ahead. You deserve it. Enjoy yourself. I know y'all have never heard any of those things, right? And all the men in the Bible got uh, into sexual sin. Look at how many wives and concubines they had. You know, men were just meant to have more than one woman. If uh, men and women in the Bible couldn't stand against lust, how can I? It's work. Okay, you hear me? It's work to crucify the flesh. It's work to let friendships and relationships go that are unholy and they're not producing good fruit. You need to quit protecting that which is not producing. If it's not producing good fruit, you need to let it go. But the end result is the same if you don't. Destruction, regret, I woulda, coulda, and shoulda. If you will set your heart upon him, the one who gave his life for you, if you will lose your life, you will gain your life. I don't ever want that old life again. It was so bad. And I might have had a moment of, of fun, but I was miserable most of the time, you know? 
And I have a peace now. It don't matter if all hell's breaking loose. I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't care what's going on. I know he's in control and he loves me and my heart is ever before him. So no matter what it looks like, he's got me. And I can rest in that. I didn't have that when I was in sin. You know, I was always fearful I was going to die. I mean, the demons were having a heyday in fear. When I look at my life again, you know, I'm so much better in Christ. I just thank him all the time of who I am today. I mean, y'all know I say I won't even go to my class reunion. I know I'd get the most changed, I'm sure. But, you know, to see who I am today, he always saw that. When I was, and I think about all the places I brought him. I brought him into some really bad places. And now I go back. I mean, well, who was it I was talking to yesterday? We were talking about how he shows up in the bathroom all the time. You know, and that's because you're naked, you're bare, you're at your ugliest, and that's when he'll speak the most. You know? You know, God is God. But you think about angels, they're always watching. Um, that's the beauty of salvation, of giving up control. It makes the crooked places straight. He's now driving the car, and you are the passenger. And in your weakness, again, he makes you strong. He has given us his word to lead us in guidelines with directions to a better life. If we're on a road leading to destruction, all I would say is stop now. If you know you're in an unholy alliance, break it and break it now. Take action. Turn away. Cut loose unholy agreements, relationships. Ask the Lord to sever those soul ties and those agreements, those connections. Come back into the right standing with the Lord. It's really that simple to fall on that throne of grace and say, I've messed up, Lord. I need you to make the crooked places straight. Uh, be willing to put wise, godly men and women as your advisors and mentors. I mean, again, a lot of us say our picker's broken. Well, we need to not pick. We need to have godly counsel to help us choose, right? And again, if we seek God first and then our advisors and put yourself under godly authority and prayer and worship, then I, it'll change your life. It'll change your entire life. Ask him to pull down the idolatry. All of us deal with idolatry. And idolatry is what anything instead of him. Anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Anything instead of him. Make today that day. I have a friend who was in a terrible marriage. Um, she had two daughters. And this is a wonderful story. It has a good ending. But she... Um, I wrestled with her 10 years ago, and of course the church religion would say, you should have never counseled her to divorce. I said divorce him. Okay, he was selling drugs out of the house for a living. She was trying to serve God. She was one of the head intercessors underneath us at community. But she had a, such a purity. In fact, she did all the work. She worked all the time, paid the bill, and he's selling drugs during the day while she's at work. And beautiful girls. And because he was living in lawlessness, she struggled. I mean, she struggled, and it was terrible. And so what ends up happening is finally she one day, and I, I'm talking 10 years before, I told her, you need to separate. You know, even Saul and David separated. And, uh, and she didn't take my advice till 10 years later, and she was cleaning out a closet, and she found a box. And she opened the box, and there was a letter in that box. And in that letter, she had wrote a letter to herself. And the letter was all about everything that she was going through at that time. 
how bad things were at that time. And, um, how, and then she said, oh my God, nothing has changed. I'm here 10 years later and I'm living the same thing. So what had she done? She had given him another 10 years. That day, that letter did it. She got up, she packed her stuff, she divorced him, she went on to remarry a godly man. They have a beautiful little farm over in Louisiana. She's, you know, in leadership at a Pentecostal church serving God. I get to hear from her quite often. And he, her ex-husband, went on to steal his daddy's pension, ended up in a nursing home in ill health. Thank God that she wrote herself that letter. And that's what today's message is. If you're in a place where you're doing the same thing that you were doing 10 years ago, it's time for a change. It's time. And I thank God my friend wrote herself a letter and she ended, or she would have given him another 10 years of hell. And she would have never come into the fullness of her calling. But sometimes we marry the wrong people. And sometimes there is a time limit. If those people don't come into the fullness of God, then somebody needs to make a change. Something needs to change. And again, um, godly counsel, prayer, falling on the throne of grace can turn, turn your circumstances. And so today's the day. So I'm going to pray a corporate prayer over us. And today, if you're in an unholy alliance, if you've got people that you need to cut loose that are, you know, bad company corrupting morals, it's time to raise the standard and cut them loose. And, you know, make today that day so that you don't have to find a letter 10 years from now. And today can be the new day, the beginning day of a better life with the Lord. So, Father, I thank you for this message. And, Father, I thank you that if there be any road of destruction that any of us are on, if there be places that were deceived, if there be unholy alliances, if there be soul ties, that, Lord, that I thank you that the blood is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough to dissolve, to eradicate, to root up. And, Father, we as a congregation, we thank you for the power of prayer corporately, God. And, Lord, we would ask you in the next week, if there be some places that we have not brought under the blood, if there be some relationships, some covenants, some soul ties, some agreements that we have made that the enemy is still able to, to, to use and come in and bring bad fruit or bring uh, the demonic forces to oppress or keep us from hearing and moving in the fullness of you, Lord, we ask you, God, to illuminate Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, root up everything, everything where we have come into agreements and unholy alliances and soul ties so that we may break it and bring it into the altar of grace to be remembered no more. And Father, we would ask that the angels would open up the books over our families. And Lord, they would erase and eradicate that which the enemy could use as legal ground. Lord, we thank you that the blood is enough. We thank you for the precious atoning cleansing blood of Jesus. And I thank you that this church makes much of the blood. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for healing. Now, Lord, we ask you, God, that, Father, that you, just in this next week, again, illuminate anything that needs to be placed under the blood. And, Lord, we just relinquish control. And thank you that you, Jesus, take the wheel. Take the will of our lives, that we want to serve you with our whole heart. 
And we want to be all that you've called us to be. And Lord, we don't want to end up 10 years from now. And I would have, could have, should have. Today is a day. A new day. A new beginning. And we thank you for this. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. If you would like to watch our message live or looking for more information about our church, visit us. Follow us on Facebook, Restoration Church.